Well, hello. How's everybody today? Good. What an honor to be up here with my lovely bride, Adrian. Hi. Let's give it up for Adrian, huh? Come on now. Norbert, don't give me that face. I'm getting currency for later. That You know what I'm talking about. You got to put in currency as husbands, okay? Well, it's an honor and a privilege just to be able to sit on the stage. And um, one thing I've even meditated on and prayed about a lot this week, uh, when you're speaking, preaching, teaching, a lot of times you do get kind of wrapped up in how is it going to look, how does it sound, how do I want to sound good, I want to be effective. Uh, even in pure motives, sometimes that thought is what centralizes the communication that you're going to be giving. And I just kept feeling to, like this week, that, um, that the Lord was just reminding me that more than even content is our connection. Mm-hmm. Like connecting right where people are, relating to their own journeys from our journeys. And, um, and so one of the verses that really had stuck out, and it won't be on the screen today, because it was kind of one of those last minute, I guess yeah. you would say, but... I think it, it's going to sum up well the direction that we're starting to go this morning. Um, it's going to be in Proverbs. And so Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip open to that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. And this has been one of those verses that I've really had to just meditate on in this season. Um, and really just rest on it. And the thing that I, I like the least about this verse... Um, is that I am one of those people that love to have a plan. I love to have a plan even more that works and happens. (laughs) And I feel like that I have some level of oversight on the way the plan's going. And so when I I read a verse like this, and I'm sure it's the same for you potentially, that we read these verses like in the good seasons, like when we're killing it, we're doing great. We're like, I make the plans and the Lord directs my steps. Thanks for directing my steps toward the plan that I made, Lord. <laughs> yeah. I thank you for blessing me. Right. And those are, the good, those are the good times to say verses like this. But in the seasons where you've made a bunch of plans, but yet none of his steps that he's taking you on looks like the plan that you made. Uh-huh. What does this verse mean then? <laughs> and in my life, it's been complete submission. That my life, um, Josiah warned me about my cooling tower, um, <laughs> in my life that I make these plans, and then once they're working, I thank the Lord sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes when we make our own plans and we forget to include the Lord in the, the board meeting before you execute, he reminds you that it's his steps that will take no matter what your plans are. So let's read this together, and I'm reading out of the NLT, and it says that we make our plans. Everybody say plans. 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 I got any planners? Come on. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) They say that culture reflects leadership, and I would say Pastor Kurt's a planner, (laughs) Kurt, uh, Ali, Josiah, and so um, planning's not bad. Planning's just bad when it's absent of the Lord's provision and supervision. Plans are good. Being diligent is effective, but making plans outside of the Lord actually speaking into those things is where we become ineffective as believers. Mm -hmm. And so it says that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. 
The Lord determines our steps. And so the problem is the, the tension that, that, that sits between us and our plans and the steps that we take. There's this tension. There's a gap. There's a, there's a point A to a point B. And then you realize uh, in the good seasons, thank you, Lord. I, I was looking and listening for your direction. And the steps I took look a lot like I felt like the plans that I was going to make and I did make. But then there's these seasons and this tension again exists where I make a bunch of plans and then I realize that every single step I've taken this season looked nothing like the plans I made previously. Yeah. Anybody ever been there? Currently. Currently. <laughs> Glory to God. We are currently just riding that tidal wave. Um, and so for, 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 for all of my planning people who raised uh, their hands today, um, I'm, like I said, I'm a planner. And so I have actually crafted, uh, before we moved here, this excellent roadmap and plan and, and wrote it down. And, and so I'm going to show you guys and let you guys have a little glimpse into kind of what my, my planning stages look like mm -hmm. uh, on the way in here. So uh, the last 16 months, here's the, here's the first step that I took. The first one was this. It was called Big Faith. Big Faith. Can you guys see this? This is my planning, by the way. <laughs> It's He's called, a great artist. Yeah, I'm a good artist. And so as you can see, it's called Big Faith there at the, the, at the little, the top first step. And it's called The Boys. Us moving to Arizona took Big Faith, walking away from our church that we had, walking away from our community. And we were coming to be a part of this community and, and get The Boys. And then, so that's excellent. I was like, I'm riding the mountain, Lord. I'm at the glories upon me. I'm stepping out in big faith. And, and here's step two. Step two was tiny apartment. <laughs> We'd never lived in a tiny apartment before, and we didn't even realize the kinds of things and the kind of ugliness that would come out, out of me uh, being in such a tight space all the time. <laughs> Amen? And so then the third thing that I didn't really plan, baby Wesley. <laughs> And I was so excited, and then we were just marching up the hill, and then all of a sudden, what kicks in? The good old panic monster. Anybody ever have the panic, panic monster when the Lord starts taking you in steps and directions that you didn't plan? That's, that was step three on our, our, our little plan here. And then st this was step four. I'm really proud of this one. This one's called Little Faith Brandon. <laughs> so after Panic Monster set in, this is my roadmap. After Panic Monster baby, all of a sudden I realized we're broke. <laughs> and how am I going to supply for a baby, two teenagers, a family, an apartment that's way overpriced and yeah. a lifestyle? And, and so that was my little faith moment. We looked at going outside of ministry to produce an income. We, you know, we looked into air conditioning. I have a background in managing air conditioning companies. Wasn't part of the plan. Mm -mm. And so step five looked a little bit like this. We went part-time at the church somewhere around April of this year. Never would have planned that. Never would have thought the, the thing that I love more than anything besides my family and the Lord that I would give part time of myself to. Mm -hmm. See, I had all these plans, but the Lord had these steps for me to take that I didn't even see. Here's the next one making money. Yep. That's important in the world's eyes, huh? So I'm making good income now in the air conditioning world because during the summer, we're, we're selling air conditioning. <laughs> Ready? Here's my next step six was we got a big old house in the West Valley. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm no longer in a tiny little apartment that's sucking the, the life out of us, right? <laughs> right. 
So we get this big house on the West Valley. I'm riding back up the mountain. Our bank account's feeling decent, like I can pay bills now and I'm not stressing. We're so excited and guess what happens? I got injured. I can't can't carry ladders no more, they say. All these plans, but the steps that I had to take. Now I can't do air conditioning, God? Step eight, Wesley gets here. Yep. She's five weeks today. Mm. <laughs> Step nine, I have no idea. <laughs> What's next? What's next? Anybody ever been there? Maybe you could give me advice after service. (laughs) Panic monsters right below the surface. How are you going to make it? Take care of your kids. Part of my soul is empty and missing. I was called to, to, to be in ministry and love on people and lead them to Christ. So there's a piece of my soul that's empty and dry, but then there's a piece of my brain that this panic monster takes over. And so I start trying to make all these plans and I try to, I try to force things into, into positions and places and opportunities. And, but it's not the steps that the Lord's telling us to take. Mm-hmm. We've been in this series called Mixtape. Everybody say Mixtape. Mixtape. Ali killed it. God is doing a new thing. And he's just doing a new thing. And even when watching, I, I thought about Ali's journey even since we've been here, obviously. Watching your journey like unfold in front of us, none of those plans is what Ali told me when I got here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you look at these things and I'm like, you know what? At least we're not alone, yeah. Ali. <laughs> right, right. You know, if, if somebody would have told Ali that she'd be heading to Montana part-time or doing these things, you're going part-time to staff and all of these, getting married, like, uh-huh. no, no. Like God is just doing a new thing. He's wanting to do it in your life, and he's wanting to know, do you value your plans more than the steps that he wants you to take? Mm-hmm. Mixtape. See, some of y'all will never know. I'm going to poke fun at myself a little bit, <laughs> and then I'm going to shut up because she's way better at this than I am. Some of y'all will never know the pain of not knowing what's next on the mixtape that you recorded songs on. Anybody ever experienced that? You know what I'm talking about. And so when I was a teenager, we had this weird blend of like, I loved worship music still, my my mom, and we we loved worship, and we really weren't supposed to be listening to the the things that weren't Christian. Anybody that grew up kind of in a household a little bit like that, where Christian music was the only way you went? And so uh, some of the pains of a mixtape, it goes a little bit like this. I got a couple uh, tracks for you to listen to. So my mixtape usually would start out something like this. Yes, Lord. Does anyone know the action? Yes, Kirsten. Then all of a sudden, there's like the other track that's just brewing. You don't even know what's coming. What's next, Lord? I'm just worshiping. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, crap. Is my mom in the room? And if you know, you know. (laughs) 
It's Gangster's Paradise all of a sudden. It's Coolio, 1999. <laughs> and my mom's like, Brandon! And I'm like, oh, I, Josh! <laughs> Jessica! That ain't my mixtape! <laughs> oh, my. That's about what my life feels like. <laughs> it's all these, what's next, Lord? Like, I got this plan to be worshiping, and all of a sudden, Coolio's popping up like... <laughs> Realize what's like. You know, I mean, if you know that song, it's it's terrible. Don't go listen to it today. Don't look it up. <laughs> hey, today the tension of that, the tension of what's next. That's what we're leaning into. Mm-hmm. We're gonna lean into that tension together, and you know, we are. Uh, we're gonna lean into like how the Lord uses tension yeah. to grow us in each season. Mm-hmm. From everyone's reaction, it seems like tension is a word we're all too familiar with. I wish I wasn't so familiar with that word. The word tension actually um, was a 16th century medical term. That's where it comes from. And it meant, it described the condition of being physically stretched. I have been pregnant, I was pregnant for over 80% of this year, from January to October. And I can vividly remember being physically stretched. Amen. My whole body felt tense. My shoulders were tense. My back was tense. My hands and feet were growing where I couldn't even wear my wedding ring and my shoes didn't fit anymore. My stomach was definitely being physically stretched. And as my body continued changing and growing, new tensions started developing. And don't you know that with every new season, even the good seasons, Wesley is amazing. I love her so much. But with every new season, new tensions also start to develop. Today we're going to talk about three different tensions. Our title would be the tension of vision. The tension of vision. Um, In order to become all that God wants us to be, we have to lean into that tension and allow our vision to be stretched. So the three stages of tension we're going to talk about, number one, the tension of division, which Allie kind of highlighted earlier. Number two, the tension of revision. And number three, the tension of provision. Now, I'm kind of a grammar and English nerd, and the prefixes of these three words really stuck out to me. So I want to unpack those really quick. Um, The first word, division. The prefix di, di, means two or double. So if you take something and you divide it in half, it goes from one to two, right? If you're living in that tension of division, Mm. often your vision is going two different directions. You're caught in this tension between maybe two different decisions, two different ways of living, two different choices. And often when we're in that tension of division, we know what God's calling us to do, but for some reason we're choosing not to do it. Maybe out of fear, maybe just straight up out of sin. Whatever it is, our vision is going two different directions. That second word, revision, the prefix re means backward or again. I think of in college, I had to write a lot of papers. And what I had to do is I would take my rough draft and I had to go back and make revisions to what I originally wrote. Maybe today God is calling you to make revisions on the way that you view your family, on the way that you raise your children. Maybe he's calling you to make revisions on the goals you've set for yourself, the plans that you've made for yourself. And finally, the third stage of tension, the tension of provision. The prefix pro 
means forward. When you're caught in this tension of provision, you have to make the decision to look forward past what's happening to you and to see what God is doing in you. How is he providing for me right now? Because the word says he's always a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. Mm. And so if I can look forward past my circumstances where I don't see the provision, I don't see the money in the bank account, I don't see what I thought I would saw, what my plans were, but I know that he's a provider. So do I have that forward vision to see with the eyes of Christ instead of my own biased vision? Mm. I think everyone can find themselves in one of those three tensions today, or maybe all of them. Before we break it down further, let's pray really quick. Lord, we just ask for your grace today. May your grace fill in our gaps, God. Those places where we're still growing, where we're still learning, where we're still learning to let go. May your grace meet us there. We're desperate for your spirit. We just ask for your Holy Spirit to be evident in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was good. Uh, Let's jump into Matthew chapter 13, verse 16, please. If you got your word, flip on to that. If you got your phone, stop ordering the food like Allie told you to. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're ordering double. I need some. (laughs) My wife. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 16, please. Um, As you're flipping there, Matthew 13, verse 16. This is what it says, and it'll be up on the screen if you need it as well. Uh, It says, but blessed. Everybody say blessed for me. Blessed. But blessed. We love that word in our churches. It is a Christian (laughs) slang word, if you will, or a Christian uh, popular word, I guess you should say better. It says, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Verse 17 Jesus says, I tell you the truth that many prophets and righteous people, they long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. You see, this, um, this word blessed, if you will, uh, we, we sometimes use it a little bit more uh, in the English perception of you know, um, material things or success and, or even gifting. People will say, man, that guy's blessed. He's, he, he can play hoops or he can, whatever it is that you're gifted. And sometimes we use that word out of context more in the external things, the things that I, I, I can do. Um, but really the word blessed when you're looking at it, it really means more of being fortunate because you've been given something by God. And so when it says that, but blessed are the eyes, um, it, it, it's talking that there are many prophets, that there are many people that, that long to see what you see, but they only heard that it was coming. You know, that we are living in this, this, the, 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 this age and this time and place in which they only heard would be happening, but yet we are the ones who are blessed to actually be living as the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, to, have, to, to, will, to actually be the dwelling place, as Ali said, that, that the Lord is always right here. 
and that they long to see this, but, but the tension, again, that we live in in our world is that, that we get caught up in the, the English way of looking at the word blessed, that, that the external things and material things are, or my, my family's happy and healthy, and oh, you're blessed, brother, you got a good marriage, or you're blessed in your job, or you're blessed in that, but, but really what's happening is that Jesus is saying that we are blessed because of what he's already given us. And I was thinking about even the prophets. They say that the prophets long to see that, that I wonder what it's gonna be like down the road, let's say 25 years, 100 years, or 50 years, whatever, the, that what will the people look back and go, wow, I can't believe they didn't see that. The freedoms that we experience now may cease to exist in a, in a community of Christians and believers, the, the open worship, the ability to, to live like we want. There are things that we are not living in now that they're gonna look at down the road and be like, man, I can't believe they didn't see those things. Right. And that's the tension that we live in is how, how do we not get caught up in the tension of division? And so that's our first stage that we're really going to unpack. And so that tension of division, and like Adrian did so well, that prefix of, of like that, that duality, that almost having a double vision, that, that when there are two visions, when there are two directions that a person or organization is going, that it creates division and not a direction. And so when there are two divisions and there's two directions that we go or people go, that there is no longer a common vision or direction that you're heading and you go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so this word division, uh, that two directions, Ezekiel even says that, 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 that he was, that the Lord, I guess you would say, once we are reborn and regenerated, that we would have this undivided heart and we would have a new spirit in us. And so... When we are blessed and fortunate by God, that, that that is what allows us to see things clearly. This new heart, this undivided spirit that when we are not caught up looking at the external things that, are, that our new eyes would allow us to see properly. Yeah. I worked in recovery ministry, uh, the first specific recover, uh, just in recovery ministry, my first few years in ministry, and there's always this first stage of recovery. Um, and the first stage of con- uh, recovery is this like pre-contemplation stage, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but it's the stage right before they're willing to actually admit that they have a problem, right? Everything around them's wrecking, everything around is burning down. Anybody know somebody like that? They've, they've had people in recovery or you've been in recovery in your life. It's this stage where in the first stage, people who are in this first stage of addiction recovery, they're not ready for a treatment program Okay, but this phase is characterized, it's characterized by defensiveness and endless justification of their behavior. I'm this way because of what happened to me. I'm this way because of this trauma. I'm this way because my daddy was an addict. I'm this way because poor me, I live on a victim island and this is what happened. And I, I can't get, I can't, I can't not, you know, quit using, I can't do this. I, I can't be happy and healthy because of what's been done to me. And it's this justification phase. And I realized when kind of looking through the different stages of life in this stage of division, that Christian growth isn't really much different. 
You see, it's easy to see an addict has a problem because it's a very external problem that ruins everything around them. But the Christian who is unwilling to admit that, the, that they're broken and have a problem, usually their life at that beginning stage is justified. They're defensive. They're justifying they are the way that they are. And a lot of times this type of behavior manifests itself in somebody who's consistently critical of other people. When you're not doing the work necessary in your own heart with the Holy Spirit, you're constantly trying to do the work that other people need to yeah. change. You constantly see the problems in other people. This is the, the person who always gossips inside the church. You've always got something that some, our leaders are doing wrong. You've always got a problem with the, the programming or the worship or the issues. There's somebody else that's always causing the problem, but the tension is always inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's a division. It's the first stage of transformation of the heart is realizing and coming to terms that you're being defensive and justifying the way you are about your broken behavior will keep you from going forward. Mm -hmm. So here's our critical question for today. Are you able to question your own vision? Mm -hmm. Are you able to question your own behavior patterns? Or do you justify that I'm not gossiping, I'm just trying trying to help somebody to help them? I'm trying to communicate that somebody else needs to change or they have a problem. Mm -hmm. Can you question your own vision? So good. Are we able to question our own vision? And the question we have to ask ourselves is not only what do I see in front of me, but how do I see it? How do I view that circumstance or that situation or that person in front of me? Not just what do I see, but how do I see it? I'm the middle daughter of three daughters. So I was raised um, by a very protective father. Any girl dads in here? Brandon's a new girl dad and he's already protective. So now he's like ultra protective. I think that's something that girl dads like, you just want your little girls to be safe, right? That's right. And my dad's the best. He taught us um, just some great advice growing up to be aware of our surroundings, right? If a white van pulls up and offers you candy, you don't get in the white van. You, you look the other direction, right? Um, he taught me, you know, how to just be aware of if someone looks kind of suspicious or you feel like they're following you, like go to the other side of the road. Don't make eye contact. Mm. Keep yourself safe because um, you don't want something bad to happen to you. And it's great advice for a father Solid. to give your daughter. I'm sure you'll tell Wesley the same fight. thing. Oh, you, yes. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he taught me, you know, not to walk in downtown Springfield, yeah. where we were from, uh, late at night because... Um, you might get shot. Yeah, you might get shot. You might get beat up. You <laughs> might get robbed. Your wallet might get stolen. Brandon's tires were slashed multiple times parked downtown. Like, you just didn't know what was happening. And so right. it was great advice. Now, fast forward to 2018, we're leading a recovery ministry. All of a sudden, it's in downtown Springfield on Friday nights at 7 p.m. I got a park down there, number one. (laughs) Number two, our building is filled with the scariest people I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) The people that I would never make eye contact with, the Uh. people I would never associate with, were now right in front of me, and I was leading, leading worship in front of them. Mm-hmm. They were these big, you know, tatted guys that uh, may have had weapons in their pockets. <laughs> you know, they'd come to the front of the altar, and they would truly just lay everything mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. They'd surrender everything. Sometimes it was their phone. Sometimes it was drugs. Sometimes it was weapons. You never knew. Mm-hmm. 
but there was just something so special about seeing these people that, um, you know, I would say that I grew up normal, relatively normal, like I didn't have all these outward issues, but to become familiar with these people, I realized I had so much more in common with them than I thought. Mm. I want you to throw that picture up there just to show um, what our recovery service looked like. It's not the best picture. (laughs) Um, But honestly, even the blurry picture just shows the rawness of these nights. It's hard to articulate even what was happening in this moment. But have you ever been in those moments where the Holy Spirit is just like so thick? Where you can almost like touch him? That's what those moments felt like. There's something about being in a room with people who know that they're broken. Mm. Who know that they're desperate for change. That they're desperate for the Holy Spirit. That they can't go through life without him. And hearing them just lay it down. You know, the people that I used to avoid, the people I used to judge, I now viewed them as my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I remember one Friday afternoon, it was a few hours before service, I was shopping with my mom downtown, and uh, we were walking down the sidewalk, and behind me, a ways behind me, I hear some shouting, which was normal, hey, hey, we just kind of kept walking, you know, um, I'm supposed to stay safe, I'm going to pretend I don't hear whatever is happening, I don't want to get involved, but then I start hearing my name get shouted, Adrian, Adrian, and my mom kind of like grabs my arm, we turn around and there's um, a homeless lady running at us and um, she was a ways off I couldn't tell who it was but as she got closer I realized oh I know who that is that's Tammy oh Tammy 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 was one of our regulars at our recovery service she would always get there early and chat with us she was always one of those people on the front row that would come up to pray that would come up to the altars and so she runs up to my mom and I my mom's looking at me like what is happening what is happening do we need to run (laughs) what's going on And she gives me this big bear hug, and she's like, I can't wait to worship with you tonight. I'm so excited. I'll see you in a few hours. And she keeps running off to go find her husband. Her husband always walked, like, a mile ahead of her. I don't know why. It's just what they did. (laughs) But anyways, in that moment when she gave me that big bear hug, I realized God had changed how I saw what I used to see. What I saw was a homeless lady that was addicted to drugs that— you know, I had nothing in common with. But when he changed my vision, when he revised my vision, I saw sister. I saw beloved. I saw a woman that God cares about so much, and so do I. You know, the recovery ministry was probably the first place that Tammy felt like she belonged. Our churches are supposed to be a safe haven for the most broken and hurting to feel like they belong because we're all messed up. You may have clean clothes, you may have your hair done, but on the inside, if what was internal was external Mm. and revealed Mm. to everyone else, Mm. we would all look like that, right? Wow. God changed how I saw. Are you able to question your vision? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Not just what you see, but how do you see that situation, that person in front of you? 
Matthew 6, 22 through 23. We're going to continue with this vision language. It's Jesus talking. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, King James Version says, when your eye is single, so no division, when it's single, when it's healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Tammy. I remember the time she walked in. <laughs> uh, Jason, some of you guys have maybe met him. He's been here and uh, from Missouri. He's security greeting, working the door, and, and Tammy walks up and kisses him right on the lips. <laughs> With her husband With her right husband beside right her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. So how you see is, cru- is crucial. It's easy to look at somebody like Tammy. Ah, you, you made your bed, lie in it. Mm-hmm. You made your choices. Aren't we lucky that God didn't say that to us? Lord, forgive me. How we see is so crucial and critical. Let's move into that second stage together. The tension of revision. So the second stage, once you can move past having a divided heart, being in division, two directions, you got this tension of revision, and that word RE, like my incredible smart wife unpacked for us, um, it, it really means to rewrite or edit or correct. So once you realize that you've been living in division in two directions going nowhere, once you can stop justifying and, and, and blaming other people for your behavior, for the way that we are, then we have the ability to rewrite and edit the way that we do see. You know, it does require that we're able to go back and realize where we have been wrong, the way that we have been living is incorrect, the way that I've been seeing people is incorrect, the way that I look at what goes on in my life, what the Lord has already given me, The way that I see what I have is what's important. And now to rewrite that vision, and in order to have revision in our life, we have to stop blaming. We have to be able to stop blaming what's happened or the way I am on other things and just take full responsibility. It doesn't mean that you're responsible for what happened, but you're responsible for changing now. Growing past this, uh, this constant tension that you live in, you, you can't ever get close to people or you never build community or, or everybody's always a fake or a fraud or, or whatever the, 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 the cleaner looking problems that we deal with internally, that the things that you're not willing to get through emotionally, constantly being offended, constantly blaming other people, living in this cycle of unhealthy behaviors, it has to be... Stop being justified in order to rewrite the vision the way that the Lord wants you to see things. And so we look at this that you have to stop blaming people. And so here are our critical question on this one on the tension of revision is how do we know if our eyes are healthy or unhealthy? Mm -hmm. 
You see, the first step, we don't question if anything we're doing is wrong because it's everybody else's fault that, that this is happening. But in the second stage of revision, when we are trying and beginning to rewrite the story and see different and let the Lord have the, the pen in our life and, okay, Lord, it's no longer my plans, but it's your steps that I'm taking that revision. How do we know if our eyes are healthy or unhealthy? And so even in that same scripture that she was reading, Adrian was reading, we get to verse 24, and this is what it says in verse 24, Matthew 6, verse 24, it says that no one can serve two masters. Pause. It's pointing out division first. That in the heart, in our, in our psyche, and in in who we are as humans, that, that, that Paul eloquently said that, that the things I, I don't want to do, I do. And it's like this division back and forth. And then once we stop blaming other things for the division that we've been living in, now we can rewrite this. You can't serve two purposes in this life. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve these two masters. And so apparently these, these two masters somehow define what is healthy and unhealthy in the way that we see and the way that we are as people. Mm-hmm. Let's continue. It says that no one can serve two masters, so you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And it says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to, mm-hmm. what is it? Money. Money. What is it for you, though? Possessions, status, image, relationship, our kids. Mm -hmm. The thing that gets that first place, right, that we'll talk about Mm -hmm. going forward. It's like when we look at these two masters, the two directions in our life that that when our order is out of of correct alignment, when the, the, the purpose of our life is not in order, we are divided, what we see is, is not healthy. It's a, we have a critical eye toward people and, and toward things. And, mm-hmm. and I've got a, a little story that I'm going to share. And, and I probably should ask for permission, Joy. Um, she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> but the good thing is it's about me, and you were just involved in helping me see <laughs> me better. Um, money. As you saw in my roadmap for the last 16 months. The little panic monster gets me on those things. And so Joy and I are having a conversation this week about some, some rentals and things like that in the gym. And, and one of the problems we've been having with, our, with people in our rentals is um, that we, we give the convenience of paying online. We offer that convenience. That way they don't have to bring in checks for, for us and everything. But there's also uh, something that happens when you pay online is that there's a convenience fee, Right? There's this fee that is, is attached to the rent that they've already agreed to, and so they can drop off a check with no fee if they choose to do that, or a convenience fee has a little bit that the bank takes out of it because they process the credit card payment, correct? Joy brings this up to me. She goes, we need to communicate this, and it's very important that, that we let them know that if they want to use credit card, that that fee needs to be attached to it. And something stirred up inside of me and I didn't even know what it was. Why am I, why is this like frustrating me, Lord? Like what is going on inside of me? And I sat on it for a night and I, I swear early in the morning, the story comes back to my brain and, and you know what came to my mind? I've not once paid the convenience fee in my tithes since I've been here. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Whoever wooed me, get up here. <laughs> Let me see your wallet. <laughs> oh, I can't, can I be real with you? I mean, 
I haven't paid it. And Joy said something to me that it just really penetrated my heart and it was beautiful, but I hated it in the moment. That you can kind of see it, what part of the heart that somebody's given from. Yeah. See, I was doing it because I was scared. I was doing it because I wasn't sure if I really trust you, God, but I'm gonna pay what I, I'm supposed to as a good Christian. We can't serve two masters in this life. You either trust God or you don't, Brandon. Mm -hmm. And that $19 a month or whatever, and $9, $300 each year I didn't pay, I I paid that last week, by the way. I just want you to know whoever wooed me. (laughs) 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 You woo yourself at the altar later. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're all changing together. A great friend of mine told me that uh, he was listening to a message and that pastors love talking about things that they gone through 15 years ago. Well, this pastor can't talk about those things because they're rated R. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about my transformation right now. Like we're all changing and growing through this journey together. Mm-hmm. It's how you see that's important. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what Joyce said that was wrong. It's, it's how I was seeing it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to look internally, so what I did was project externally that somebody else was the problem. Right. Joy, you're wrong. You're not right in that. That was my projection because I wasn't willing to do the work internally where I was broken, mm. where I was insecure, where the panic monster had grip on my heart about money. And then when I sat in that and realized that Joy is not the problem because she's a beautiful angel straight from heaven and she's amazing and incredible. <laughs> if you don't know Joy, you need to get to know Joy. Woo that. But <laughs> <laughs> it was in me that was the problem. The life that's divided projects onto other people the problem that you're not dealing with. The thing in your heart that you're not willing to accept and deal with, you always project that on the people and things around you and create that problem. And people, let's even think about it even in a a systems theory, if you're a nerd like that with me. A systems theory idea, this idea that, that, that we're not in a vacuum, as Pastor Kurt so awesomely says, that, that there are these multiple layers of, of things that make us the way that we are. There are generations of things passed down, and it came from my dad, from his dad, from a poor Missouri boy, from a trailer trash, or this panic monster that lives in my heart that I'm not paying my nine bucks and bank fees, and it's like these years and years and years of things that nobody's ever dealt with and have made everybody else the problem, that it's a, they're the problem, and this is the problem, the society's the problem, the government's the problem, that uh, we always project onto other people the things that we're not willing to deal with. Yeah. How do you see? Do you need to make revisions to your side? That brings us to the third stage of tension, which is the tension of provision. Do you trust that only God 
can give you what you need. We saw the control freaks in the room earlier. I'm also a control freak. I I would rather use the term planner, though. (laughs) That's how God created me, right? I'm a planner by nature. I appreciate predictability because I put a lot of time and effort into planning things out. I want my day to go the way that I've planned. I like to control outcomes. I like to control the way that people think of me. I like to control um, the, the direction that my life is going. And if I'm not careful, I try to control God. I try to play the role of God. I try to be my own provider instead of trusting in the true provider. And even on the way to church this morning, we were singing like, Lord, have your way in me and I was singing (laughs) I'm ready to be back on the worship team I've taken a (laughs) couple months break Um, but we were singing that and I was like you know I sing that a lot like have your way Lord but what I really mean is have your way as long as it's within my comfort zone like I trust you as long as you do my plans and not your plans. Like there's always something attached to my surrender. Um, It's a little bit hypocritical. And I realized that as we were worshiping. Um, But here's the truth is I don't know what I actually need. I present to God like I need this, I need this, but I don't know. My vision is limited. Only God knows what I actually need. And as Brandon talked about over the past 16 16 months, going through so much change, it's only further highlighted how much of a control freak I am. We moved here, we we leave my family. All of my side of the family is back in Missouri and we're tight knit. My sisters are my best friends. I love my parents. Mm. Um, I leave my dream job in full-time ministry, pouring into college students. I was also a, um, a college track and cross country coach and I got to coach my sister and it was just the time of my life. Left all that, you know, with this big faith coming here. Um, and then I have to learn when we get here how to become an everyday bonus mom, not to just two teenagers, but to two teenage boys. Mm. I'm in my mid-20s, for one, so I'm like, how do, how do I mom two yeah. teenage boys? Like, God, I don't, what if I'm not able to? What if I don't have what it takes? What if wow. they hate me? What if, what if this tension doesn't resolve? And on top of that, like navigating the tension of a blended family. Mm-hmm. That, that brings up new levels of tension that I've never dealt with. And then on top of that, getting pregnant and having our baby girl, Wesley, who we love so much. She's sitting over there. That's why I'm looking over there. She's being a good girl and sleeping. Um, but all of this stuff stacked on top of each other, tension after tension. But all of this external tension was one thing. But the greatest tension I dealt with was internal. Uh, and it was the way I reacted to all of this external yeah. stuff. I've dealt with worry and anxiety more over the past year than I ever have before. And I realized that the areas where I worry the most are the areas that I trust God the least. The areas I worry the most, bonus mom, blended family, now mom to Wesley, moving away from my family, not having a a job when we moved out here, all of this stuff, the areas I worry the most are the areas where I trust God the least, where I don't trust in the provider, but I'm trying to be my own provider. And continuing on in Matthew 6, Jesus has a lot to say about how worry and anxiety are directly tied to our vision. Mm. 
So going to verse 25, it says, that's why I tell you not to worry, Adrian. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. What else could you add to that list? I always come to God like, I don't have enough. Am I enough? I don't have enough of this or this. I'm not equipped to do this. But he says, we don't have to worry about that stuff. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look, there's a vision term. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Man, if they could, I'd be living forever. (laughs) And then skip into verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So when I'm in that cycle of what if this, what if this, what if this, I'm thinking like an unbeliever. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And here's another vision language. It says, seek, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This passage on worry, it really has to do with our vision. It begins by telling us to look and ends by telling us to seek So how do we get out of that cycle of worry that, you know, I don't even feel like I can control my anxiety. It just happens to me, right? How do we get out of that cycle? It's by changing our perspective, by changing our vision. God's provision is a matter of our perspective. It's a matter of our vision. I think of in the Bible, you know, when when Jesus fed the 5,000, the disciples looked at the five loaves and the two fish, and they saw a problem, but Jesus saw provision. Right after that, they were in a storm on the sea, and the wind and the waves were crashing over them, and what the disciples saw was opposition, but Jesus saw an opportunity for his glory to shine. When Lazarus was dead, what the disciples saw was defeat was death, but what Jesus saw was death defeated. Mm. He saw victory. Your, your problem today, it may have the appearance of failure or of worry or of setback or of sickness, but God has a different perspective. God can see the whole picture. He's still the provider today that he was when he fed the 5,000, when he raised the dead, when he calmed the sea. That's your provider God's provision is a matter of your perspective. Are your eyes glued to your situation or are they fixated forward? Remember, pro is forward. Are they fixated on your provider? Mm. Or I invite the worship team up because we're only a half hour over. (laughs) Oops. Allie said it was okay. (laughs) Blame Allie. (laughs) Go ahead and let's stand up, guys. I know you guys are all... Need to get some blood flow going, and it's been a little bit longer of a service. And so how you see is critical. How you see is critical. <clears throat> so I had this perfect roadmap plan coming out here, packing up our U-Haul. And all the plans that we made, 
Don't look anything like the steps we've taken. And there was somewhere in the middle of the panic monster in today's sermon <laughs> that I can finally say that I'm at this place that I trust him more than I'm scared or, or nervous or fearful of anything. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's next. And probably if you're honest, you don't know either. But I've written out a new roadmap for next year. The new roadmap for next year, it, it looks a little bit like the old one, but it's a little bit more simple. It's Ephesians 3.20. Yeah, I realized by getting my butt kicked over this last season. <laughs> did I say that? I did. I got, it, I got it handed to me. Beat up, crushed down, humbled. Probably need a lot more of that. See, I realized somewhere in that crushing that all the plans I had to take over this world, the Lord had to build the kind of character inside of me that could sustain anything that he had prepared for me. And he teaches you that through the crushing through the brokenness, through the pieces of your life that you try to hide from other people because you care what, you th what they're gonna think. He tries to take those things and put them on the front stage and say, my glory is greater than your brokenness. My plans for you has nothing to do with what you think you're, you're capable of. What I wanna do through you, you won't even understand. You can't even think or imagine what the immeasurably more might be in your life. You can't even make plans as big as I want to make in your life, Brandon. So if you could just stop planning and surrender to the submission, I'll use you the way that I've created you to be used. And he's saying the same thing to you this morning. And this was the word he told me. I was in there worshiping like a fool, like I usually do. <laughs> and there's somebody here today, and I know you're here. He just wants you to know that he sees you. He sees you right where you're at. Newborn moms, scared college student. Maybe you're in a marriage that's, that's, that's unhealthy and you don't know what to do or you're in a situation you can't get out. He just wants you to know that, that you don't have to fix everything. You don't have to make the perfect plan. You don't have to, you don't have to make that, that plan that's gonna fix everything. He wants you to know right where you are, he sees you. That thing you can't fix on your own on the inside, like he sees that. And he just wants you to lift it up to him and say, I can't do it, God, without you. Ephesians 3.20, it says, now all glory to God who is able Somewhere in that, that crushing, I, I stopped dreaming. I stopped believing that he was able to do something and I had to do something myself. Who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask.
or think. We're going to go into this song as they begin for me, and I'm going to pray us into it. And Maybe you're here today, and that, that word, he sees you. Maybe that's you. Maybe he got you here to hear that this morning, that he sees you. These altars are open. We're going to worship at our seats. You can come down to these altars, and me or my wife will walk up and pray with you. Maybe that's you and you just need somebody to see you today. To know that you're seen. Maybe you stop dreaming. Maybe you stop believing that God's able to get you through wherever you're, whatever you're in. Let's pray. Father, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I forgot what you've already done in my life. I'm sorry that I lost sight of the infinitely more that you are. I'm sorry, but you know that. And you still love me and you still have plans for me and you still have plans for your bride, your people, our church. So Lord, I know that you are more than able. And as we worship together and hopefully have lunch together after this and we can all connect, I, I pray that these altars are, are reserved for the exact people or person that needs it right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship together.